we're talking about just how do we make our faith our own. And it was about three years, just over three years ago, that my family and I moved up here uh, to the Summit area. And I hadn't expected this to happen, uh, coming to a new church and all, but um, I had my own little personal kind of crisis of faith, and I've never really shared that with anybody before this morning, uh, but I feel like I, I need to share that with you guys just to kind of set the stage for what we're talking about this morning. So we, we moved up here, and some of my kind of deeply rooted uh, beliefs began to be challenged, uh, beliefs that I had held uh, dear for really for 40 plus years, and uh, some folks who I thought were going to be helpful to me in, in, in strengthening my faith and my, my beliefs actually did just the opposite. And uh, that was kind of difficult for me as well. I thought these folks were going to be my friends and, and, and all that, but I just began to kind of wonder that and question. And this lasted for a period of, of, of a couple of months, uh, but fortunately, as time went on and, and early on in the fall of that year of 2007, things kind of came together and, uh, and my, my faith, my beliefs were, were restored. And so now I'm excited to be able to stand uh, in front of you guys and say that as I have uh, every year for the last 40 some odd years, uh, when the football season starts this fall, I will once again be rooting for the Dallas Cowboys and uh, didn't give up my faith in them. And those of you who are Giants and Jets fans, if you don't like that, the door is that way. And uh, no, but, but uh, seriously, um, actually not seriously, I love the Cowboys and have, you know, have been following them uh, for my whole life. But, but I, I ask myself, uh, you know, why is it that I'm a fan of the Cowboys? I grew up in Connecticut and uh, fortunately, only by the grace of God, the New England Patriots did not exist uh, when I was a kid. Otherwise, I can't believe it, but I'd probably be rooting for them. And, uh, I, you know, I enjoyed the Giants. I enjoyed the Jets a little bit. Uh, but somehow I ended up being a Cowboys fan. I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe it was one of my friends or, or, or something like that. But as, as I was thinking about that this week, I started to do a little research on uh, the Internet, you know, that vast warehouse of semi-worthless knowledge, uh, trying to figure out why it is that people choose different sports teams uh, to, to follow. And I came across uh, a code, and I've actually modified that a little bit to turn it into something that would be uh, work in church. And we're going to talk about different sports fan commandments that I think uh, help us to understand this. And the first one is, thou shalt love thy neighbor. And uh, we could translate that and say, you got to root for the home team, for the local team. So you're up here in northern New Jersey, and you have to root for the Giants or the Jets. I don't understand actually why, and I was, it was explained to me once, I'm still not sure I understand why, you can't root for both the Giants and the Jets. Um, yeah, see, that's, that's, that's the way it is. There are about three Jets fans I know in the congregation here, and uh, so they're, they're pretty hot on the Jets. But I decided that I'm going to root for the Giants all but two weeks of the season, and I'll let you guess which two weeks of the regular season that is. I'll root for the Jets all the time unless they make it to the playoffs and, and end up playing the, uh, the Cowboys. But um, you've got to root for the home team, for the local guys. Secondly, second commandment, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. If your parents were Pittsburgh Steelers fans, you got to at least respect the Steelers. You got to at least like them to some extent. And, and that's actually true. Most people get their sports team, either their allegiance to their sports team, either from their family 
or from the area in which they grew up, and usually those two overlap. Now, for me, uh, both my parents, they weren't really uh, football fans, so I didn't get my love for the Cowboys from them. But later on in his life, my dad became more and more of a Yankees fan, and I think I I, uh, picked up some of that from him. I actually grew up liking the Mets because in 1969, and the just unbelievable miracle that occurred, and those of you who are old enough to remember that. Uh, you remember you know, how they won the World Series there, and that was great, and they'd done it a couple of times since, beating the Red Sox, and uh, enjoyed that as well. But um, I didn't really get my faith in the Cowboys you know, from my parents. Uh, but I think here's where it came from, commandment number three. Thou shalt respect the team of thy youth. How it works, I don't know, but from time to time, children randomly pick a sports team, whether it has to do with the colors or the style of play. I mean, you know, if you are a, you know, you're just a, a brawler, maybe you're going to like the Oakland Raiders. Or if you're a cheater, you're going to like the New England Patriots or, you know, whatever it may be there. Um, kids pick it up and it sticks with you throughout your life. And I picked up the Cowboys when I was a kid and it stuck with me. And I'm happy to say I'm still with them. And fourth commandment is what really solidified, what restored my my football faith, thou shalt not forsake thy first love. Once you hold on to a team, you can't let go. There is is no divorce in sports. And uh, no fair weather fans, unless you're from Philadelphia, and then it's okay to like throw stuff on the field at your team. And that's fine, because the Eagles are not worth rooting for anyway. Um, So that's where I am. I've now confessed. You now all know that I'm a Cowboys fan. And uh, two of you will still be my friends. Those are of you who are from uh, the northern part of Texas. You know, so how does this relate? How does the faith that we have in sports teams, how does that relate to our, our faith in God? And I think there's a connection there. And I was chewing on, on, on that this week. Just as we often pick our sports teams because of the teams that our parents rooted for, Similarly, we often inherit our faith in God uh, from our families, from our parents. So if you grew up, say, as a Catholic, uh, it's very likely that you may uh, still consider yourself uh, to be a Catholic at this point. Or maybe your parents were Methodists or Baptists or Presbyterians, and uh, you grew up with that faith. Or maybe your parents were agnostic or atheist. It's very likely that you also grew up uh, without a certain belief in God uh, because you inherited that from your parents. And there's nothing wrong with an inherited faith. It can be just as, as uh, deep and intense and as meaningful as someone who actually came to a point later on in life where they chose, where they consciously made a decision to uh, become a follower of Christ. So there's nothing wrong with an inherited faith. But I've talked to person after person after person who wants more than just an inherited faith. They want to go a a step deeper and personalize their faith. Uh, A student who I knew at Princeton uh, came to me one day. We had been meeting uh, for a number of weeks, just kind of talking together, praying together, studying the Bible together. And I think it was as we built up a little bit more of a trust relationship, he came to me and he said, you know, Clay... I grew up in, uh, I think for him it was a Lutheran home. I grew up in a, in a strong Lutheran home. Both my parents love God and they taught me about Jesus since my earliest remembrance. And my brother uh, believes and, and, and I believe. But I'm, I'm coming to the point where I'm just wondering, is my faith 
my faith or or is it my parents' faith? Do I believe because I believe or do I believe in God because my parents believe in God? Have I inherited my faith or do I own it? And for him, this was kind of a crisis for him. He wasn't rejecting what he believed, but he was beginning to question it. And this is true for a lot of folks as they get uh, later on in high school or especially go off to college. You begin to question and and doubt and, and want to really solidify what you believe before. And I've talked to a lot of folks here who have been through a similar situation. You know, maybe uh, you grew up in a home where Jesus was talked about and you went to church every week, but then you kind of put that aside uh, for 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years and you're back uh, in church maybe for uh, the first time here at Renaissance in in many, many, many years. Um, Maybe you are uh, like that student and you're just trying to say, no, I believe, but I really want to make that faith my own. Or maybe you're just kind of starting out. It's the first time you're, you're thinking about Jesus at all. You came to Renaissance because someone told you the music was good. You decided to put up with the Jesus talk a little bit. And as you've uh, been hanging out here, you found it to be a little bit more attractive and you're more intrigued by who Jesus is and you want to kind of find out more. Or maybe you've been a follower of Christ your whole life for decades and you just want to grow uh, in your relationship with him. You want to keep going on in your relationship with him. Wherever you are, What we're going to talk about this morning, I think, can be helpful to you in growing in your relationship with God. As Charlie mentioned, uh, last week we were talking about uh, the story of Jesus' encounter with a woman at a well uh, in Palestine. And Jesus had been traveling from the southern part of Palestine up to the northern part, and he had to go through the central part, which kind of makes sense. If you look at a map, the middle comes in between the top and the bottom. And uh, in the middle was this area called Samaria, and it was an area that had a sort of a mixed-race people, half Jew, half Gentile, which is non-Jews. And these Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were looked down on uh, by the Jews. And so Jesus is traveling through there, and he sits down at a well because he's tired. And this woman comes up, and he says to her, hey, would you give me a drink? And just that little question, would you give me a drink, just blows her mind. It, it, he cuts through all sorts of prejudices and barriers between the Jews and the Samaritans, between men and women. Because you see, in those days, uh, men uh, treated women like they were property. And uh, the Jews treated Samaritans like they were trash. And Jewish rabbis didn't talk to women, especially Samaritan women. And Jesus just kind of blows through all of these categories and this woman, is, is, she's blown away, and she begins to wonder, who is this guy? And then as they talk more and more, he begins to poke and uh, pry and prod and probe a little bit. And he finally hits on a soft spot in her life. And they begin talking about uh, something going on in her life. She had been married five different times, and she was living with a man now who wasn't her husband. And for us, that's sort of like... Well, okay, maybe a little bit unusual that she'd had five marriages, but for those, in those days, for those folks, that was scandalous. And this is a woman who had a, a reputation, who lived with shame and guilt all the time. And Jesus uncovered that, and he exposed that. But he didn't do it in order to condemn her. He did it in order to show her 
his love and the, and, and the love of God and the forgiveness that was available to her. And she responded uh, like it was a, a drink of, of fresh and, and pure and clear and, and running cold, tasty water. And uh, she was excited by that. And she was so excited. I want to pick up uh, what happens then in, in verse 28 of John chapter 4. She's so excited that she leaves her water jar and she goes back to the town and says to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And the people came out of the town and they made their way toward him. So the scene here is she's so excited about this interaction that she's had with Jesus. She forgets all about her water jar. She runs back to the town and essentially in front of the whole town says, hey, you all know what I'm like. You know what kind of a person I am. And this guy knows it and I'd never met him before. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be the prophet? Could this be the savior, the one that we've been waiting for for centuries? You got to come and check out this guy. And so the whole town decides, okay, we're heading out to the well outside of town. And they go and they want to encounter Jesus. In verse 39, we'll pick it up there. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony when she said, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more of the Samaritans became believers. And then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And what I think is so cool about this is the Samaritans really in a sense brief journey of faith uh, mirrors the kind of journey of faith that so many of us have gone through and are going through and, and, and need to go through. They started off with, with sort of an inherited faith. The woman came and she said, listen to what this guy has done. You got to check him out. And at that point, they believed. They began to believe a little bit that, hey, maybe this really is the Messiah. But they wanted to know more. They wanted to go deeper. And so they went out and they talked to Jesus. They checked him out. They asked him questions. They said, hey, could you hang with us for a couple of days? And they spent time together. And as they encountered Jesus on a personal level, on an individual level, their faith kind of took off. And so they were able to say to the woman, hey, we believed at first because of what you said. But now, now that we've encountered Jesus for ourselves, our faith is really our own. We don't believe anymore just because of what you've said, although that was fine. They weren't giving her a hard time there. They're saying, we now really own our faith. John is not discounting their original faith. He's just simply showing how it took a step forward when they encountered and began to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Inherited faith is good, but personalized faith is even better. And so really the question that, that, we, that we want to ask ourselves now is, okay, so how do I go from here, from this sort of inherited faith to there, to this faith that's my own, that I own, that I know it's not because I grew up going to church that I believe. It's not because a friend or a pastor told me about Jesus that I believe, but I've had a personal encounter with him and now my faith is really my own. Let me give you three suggestions that have been helpful to me and to others I've talked with, and I think they'll be helpful to you. First of all, ask questions. Dig deeper. Uh, look for answers 
Don't be afraid to question and, and to want to know more about things that, you, uh, that you've grown up believing. The, the student who I was talking about earlier on, we were in a, another Bible study actually together that I was leading with a, with a bunch of uh, freshmen. And uh, I couldn't quite figure out what was going on with this guy. He, he seemed to be a follower of Christ, but he was asking such basic questions. I mean, he had grown up going to church and a Sunday school, and the questions he, were, he was asking, he should have known the answers to, and I couldn't figure out what he was asking. You know, he says, how do I know that the Bible is really true? How can I be sure that Jesus actually rose from the dead and it's not just a story that was made up and on and on and on again? But when, we, when that one afternoon when we were talking and he was saying, how do I know that my faith is my faith and not my parents' faith? That's when a light bulb went off in my head. That's why he seemed, he, he seemed to kind of almost have a, a split personality as a follower of Christ but asking these questions. What was going on is he was not so much challenging as trying to embrace what he had believed for many years. So he did believe that the Bible was true, but he wanted to know why. You know, is it true just because my parents and pastors say it's true, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I know that Jesus rose from the dead, and it's not just a made-up story, but can you give me some more evidence? Can you help me to, to strengthen and deepen my faith? And that was what was going on with him. The... The prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament records something that God says. And uh, chapter 29, verse 13, uh, God says, You will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. You're going to seek after me and you're going to find me when you seek after me with your whole heart. God is saying, I'm not trying to hide myself from you. Go ahead and ask your questions. Come after me. I want to reveal myself to you. I want you to know who I am. And if you seek me with your whole heart, I'll reveal myself to you. If you've ever read through the Psalms, time and time and time again, David and the others who've written the Psalms are asking questions of God. And sometimes they're tough ones. It's like, God, how come I'm living my life the way you say that I should live my life And yet I look around me and the people who aren't following after you seem to be having a better life. Why are the wicked prospering? Or God, I'm crying out to you. I'm praying to you day after day after day and you don't seem to be hearing my prayers. Why? Where are you? I'm feeling so far from you. And what's amazing is God never, anywhere in the Bible, gets upset with folks who are sincerely asking him questions, who are sincerely trying to understand, who are expressing their doubts and their concerns and the things that are bothering them. Look at the disciples all through the Gospels. These guys constantly misunderstand and don't get it. They take three steps forward in their faith and then two steps backward and they get confused. They're asking Jesus all sorts of questions and he's got infinite patience with them. And the same thing's true with us. That's the way it is with God. He wants us to ask these questions because he wants us to personalize. He wants us to internalize. He wants us to own our faith. If you've got questions, you know, if you want to know more, if you want to dig deeper, let me give you a suggestion of a book uh, that I've found helpful and others I know have found helpful. It's called The Case for Christ uh, by a guy named Lee Strobel. And there's a companion book called The Case for Faith And in these two books, uh, Strobel 
takes a look from the point of view really of a skeptic, of someone who's questioning and doubting. And he asks questions like my friend at Princeton was asking, how can I be sure the Bible's reliable? Uh, did, did Jesus really rise from the dead? If God is good, why is there so much suffering in the world? And he doesn't shy away from these kinds of questions. Uh, we've got copies of those uh, back in the resource center in the cafe. Let me encourage you, just grab a copy and uh, read through it. It's not a terribly difficult read, but he does a good job of, of asking and answering uh, some of these questions. So first step, ask questions. Dig, dig a little bit deeper. Secondly, develop relationships with others uh, who share your faith in Christ. One of my uh, favorite passages, become a favorite passage in the last 10 years or so, Romans chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, I long to see you, he's writing to the people in Rome, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. And I had probably read this passage, I don't know, 50, 75 times. It was about 10, 12 years ago that I was really struck by this. Paul is saying to the Romans, he's saying, I'm looking forward to meeting you guys. He had never been to Rome. I'm looking forward to meeting you because I'm, I'm looking forward to being encouraged in my faith by you. If you stop and think about it, the Apostle Paul is the guy who wrote like almost half of the New Testament. He is the pinnacle of what it means to be a follower of Christ. His faith was so strong that he suffered over and over and over again for his faith. He didn't shy away. Uh, he wasn't afraid because he trusted in God so much. And the folks in Rome, they hadn't known Jesus for as long as Paul had. And yet he's saying, I'm looking forward to spending time with you because I know that my faith is going to be encouraged by your faith. And I know I'm going to encourage you as well, but I'm looking forward to that mutual encouragement that we can have with one another. And I can't tell you how many times my faith has been encouraged by other followers of Christ, whether it's someone like Rich who has, has been a follower of Christ for at least as long as I have, or someone who uh, maybe just became a follower of Christ a week or so ago, and they're just telling me about when they finally came to the realization that it doesn't matter what they've done, that uh, God, because of his love for them in Christ, has forgiven them for all of what they've done, that he's healing their brokenness, that he's, he's washing away their guilt and their shame. To me, that's so exciting to see that in their life. Or maybe they've just discovered a new, a new truth about God. Or maybe they've got an insight into a passage of the Bible that I've never seen before. I don't know what it's going to be. But time and time and time again, I found myself encouraged by you guys and by others who know God. If you want to begin to develop those kind of relationships, the kind of relationships with others who are just taken step by step by step in their journey of faith, let me encourage you to get involved in maybe in one of our spiritual formation groups uh, or maybe one of the women's groups or the mom's groups that meet on Thursday mornings. Um, you know, what do you do when it's the gangrene hour, five o'clock in the afternoon, and the kids are just like going nuts and all you want to do is run away and hide, you know? How do you deal with that as a follower of Christ, you know? Well, get together with some other moms who've been dealing with that for a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit longer than you, who can encourage you and pray with you about that. Or what do you do at work, you know, when you've got the boss who's asking you to lie? And how do you stand up for the truth, uh, when it may mean losing your job? And on and on and on. Being able to be with folks who are, 
walking where you're walking, who are living the kind of life that you're living, and who can help you uh, grow in your relationship with God. It's a great opportunity. Let me encourage you to get involved uh, in one of those groups. So first, ask questions. Secondly, develop some relationships with other folks who share your faith in Christ. And then third, exercise your faith. You know, faith is, is it's like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. So think about where you are. Maybe, maybe you've been coming to Renaissance for a number of months now, and you got a friend, you got a neighbor, a coworker, maybe a relative who you really want to invite to Renaissance, but you're afraid to do so. Not because you're afraid uh, that they're, that they're going to um, you know, make fun of you, but you're afraid of how they're going to respond, or maybe you're afraid that you'll lose the friendship if they don't like uh, the church here. Go ahead, pray about it, and take that step. Trust God and invite them to come, remembering that you're not the one to convince them to come. God's the one who's got to work in their heart for that. You just lay the invitation out there and just ask and pray that God would work in their heart. And sometimes just taking that first step of faith makes it a little bit easier uh, to take the next step. Maybe uh, you're kind of feeling like you ought to get a little bit more involved uh, here at Renaissance or somewhere else. Maybe in terms of using your time. You're busy, but you feel this pull uh, to help somebody else, to kind of live out your faith and and serve in some particular way, but you're worried about the time commitment that's going to take. Well, maybe take just a small step and, and devote some of your time, maybe an hour a week or a half hour a week, to helping out in some way, or maybe staying for another service on Sunday mornings and working in the kitchen. I don't know what it would be for you, but take a small step in that direction. Or maybe it means giving a little bit more of your income, again, either here or somewhere else where there's a need, where you can help in terms of advancing uh, the cause of what Christ is doing around the world, meeting the needs of those who are hungry or helping people to know and, and come to faith in Christ. Start with a small step, but stretch yourself just a little bit, and I think you'll find uh, that you grow stronger in your faith. Another student I knew at Princeton was in a, in a situation that's kind of similar to that. He had come to, come to school as a follower of Christ, but he was kind of stagnant in his relationship with God. He wasn't going anywhere. And as we were talking, uh, he, he began to, to realize that he needed to get involved with a group of guys who could help him to grow in his faith. And uh, there was a group of guys from his class who were meeting together once a week to pray and to talk and to study the Bible. But he was afraid to go and, uh, to, with those guys because he didn't know them real well. And so we prayed about it and we talked about it for a while. And he decided, all right, I'm going to try it just once. And if it doesn't work, forget it. But if it does, maybe I'll keep going. And he took that little step of faith, which for him seemed huge at the time. He took that little step, got involved with those guys and those in that group of guys is still now 10, 15 years later, keeping in touch with one another, encouraging one another, helping each other to grow in their faith. They get together once a year or so, kind of have a little reunion. They did it at a U2 concert out in, I think it was San Diego, uh, a couple of years ago. And, and just enjoy being with each other and helping each other to grow in their faith. And so for, for my friend, taking that step was the beginning of his growing and of his internalizing, of his personalizing, of his growing stronger and stronger in his faith. So let me just kind of put it all together for you. If you look, if you look up on the screen, you'll see uh, our mission statement, explore uh, and engage and express. 
Explore, investigate who God is and who you are in relationship to him. Ask questions. Engage, grow in your relationship with Christ and with others. Develop those relationships that can help you to grow in your relationship with God. And express, put put your faith into action. Live it out, exercise that faith muscle and and you'll see it growing stronger. If you notice, it's, it's in a circle with the arrows pointing around. Maybe you start off because you're new to this whole faith thing. Maybe you start off in the middle there at the top where it says uh, explore, and you just got a lot of questions. But after a little while, you drop down, you move over to that engage section, and you begin to develop some relationships with folks. And as your faith is growing, uh, you begin to want to live it out, to express it, just in simple ways at first. Maybe nothing dramatic, but just enough to begin to stretch your faith just a little bit. Or maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a long time and you've been serving and you've been living out your faith and you've been inviting a lot of people to church and telling people about Jesus and helping people with needs and this sort of thing. But you got some questions. It's okay to ask questions, to to, to go to that explore stage and just dig deeper into the things that maybe you've held dear for, for most of your life. It's okay to ask those questions. There's no right place to be on that circle. All of us, need to be working our way around again and again and again and putting our faith into action and growing in our relationship with others and just asking those questions and investigating what it means to be a follower of Christ. The guy I was talking about uh, early on in the message uh, who was worried that his faith was, was not really his own but that it was faith of his parents. His senior year we were talking and I said, so... How are you doing with that whole journey of, of taking your faith and making it your own? And he said, you know, over these past four years, it has really become my own faith. And actually, he said it, it started in that Bible study and as you and I were meeting and I got to ask you some of those questions in a really safe environment. But then I got to know some other guys and, and they helped to strengthen my faith and I've, you know, I've lived it out here on the campus. And he just went on to tell me the story of how he grew and how step by step by step, the faith that he had, that he had inherited from his, from his parents, really became more and more and more of his own. And now, it's about 15 years later, he's still walking closely with God, still a follower of Christ, still living out his faith, still exploring, still getting to know others, and uh, becoming uh, closer and closer to God. Inherited faith is good, but personalized faith is even better. So if you, if you have never come to the point, if you've never come to the point in your relationship with God where you have stopped and thought about, do I really believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that I could be forgiven, so that m- the brokenness that I have could be healed, so that I could have a a real relationship with the God of the universe. If you never come to that point, let me encourage you just to stop and explore and take some time and ask some questions and come to the point where you can can bring yourself to to that kind of a decision point. Or or maybe um, you've recognized that you're a follower of Christ, but your faith was inherited, and that's good and that's fine. Let me encourage you, take that next step. And explore enough to make that faith your own so that you really own it, so that you've personalized it, uh, so that you've internalized it. Maybe you've been a follower of Christ all your life. Just keep growing in your faith. Keep going around that circle of exploring and of engaging and of expressing your faith. Maybe you're not sure what you believe. You don't know about Jesus, but you're intrigued and you want to know more. Stick with us. 
great place. I can think of no better place uh, than Renaissance for you to, to begin and continue uh, to explore. We here at, at Renaissance want to be a community of people who are seeking to follow after Christ, who are growing in our relationship with him, who are open to people all across that spiritual spectrum, whether you're far from God and just beginning to take a step forward or whether you have, have been a follower of Christ your whole life. We want to be a, a community of faith that helps one another to grow in our faith and to develop in our relationship with God. And we want to be a, a community of faith that lives out our faith, that makes a difference in the lives of people in our congregation, but of those around us in our inner communities uh, where we live. So wherever you are in your spiritual journey, I hope that you'll consider yourself to be part of our community of faith. I need you to help strengthen my faith. You need me. We need each other. Let's work together to help us all to grow closer to God, to take that next step, and to more and more follow after Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you uh, that you have not left us alone here on the earth, that there are others who we can walk with on a, uh, really on a day-by-day and week-by-week basis, others who share our faith, who share our struggles, who share our questions, who can help us to grow, who can encourage us, and whom we can encourage and help to grow. Uh, Father, I pray that more and more Renaissance would be that kind of a community, a community where uh, we're free to ask questions, where we're free to express doubts, but where we can also find answers and we can find healing and we can find hope and we can find love and we can find grace and we can find forgiveness. And I thank you, Father, for the love and the grace and the forgiveness that you show us in your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray for each of us that even this week we would take just one step closer to you, that you would strengthen our faith. And as you do so, may we grow in our love for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.